Hello and welcome everyone. It is Sergeant First Class Aaron McEvers, the 2nd Brigade, 1st Armored Division Equal Opportunity Advisor, and I am very pleased to be back with you all bringing you another episode of the Strike Brigade podcast. This will be episode five, and today our discussion topic is going to be conflict management, conflict resolution, and Joining me shortly, and you'll get an opportunity to meet him figuratively, uh, will be uh, one of my peers. He's a fellow Equal Opportunity Advisor here on the installation. And I selected him for this discussion because we collaborated uh, on a couple of sessions where we hosted some individuals that were trying to resolve their conflicts before um, they became more serious issues. And I learned a lot from him. I, I really liked the way he put together uh, his program for resolving conflict and how um, how the session went. So because of that, I, I invited him to join us and share some of his perspectives that he has on how to resolve conflict. And basically what I want everyone to take away from this is we tend to think of conflict as something that is wholly negative or as, is, is to be avoided. And I think that is a pretty short-sighted view. And I want everyone to start viewing conflict in a more positive light when it's resolved appropriately. Okay, when we deal with conflict in a healthy manner, it's an opportunity and it's an opportunity to make us better as individuals, um, as persons in professional and personal relationships. And then it's an opportunity to make our organizations better. I think one of the things I'm going to one, one a point of contention I'm going to make is that, you know, we tend to avoid it and we tend to have a desire to maintain harmony or the status quo. And I think that is ultimately detrimental to us personally and professionally. And I think when we adopt strategies that help us deal with conflicts uh, rationally, uh, more logically and less emotionally, and we deal with them with a degree of maturity, I think the outcome can be wholly positive and we will stop avoiding them and we'll start looking for them and we'll start looking for things that we can bring out and into the open to have discussions about and resolve. So with that, just sit back and we will begin the episode momentarily. Hello and welcome back. My name is our first class Aaron McEvers. I am the host of your Strike Brigade podcast. Joining me today is one of my contemporaries, Sergeant First Class Adam Marshansky, and we're going to be having a discussion on the topic of conflict resolution and conflict management. And before we begin, I would like to offer Sergeant Marshansky a chance to introduce himself. Well, so first I want to start off by thanking uh, Sergeant First Class McEvers for inviting me to this, to this podcast. Um, anytime that we can get good information out there um, to our audience is, is a benefit, it's a win. Um, so I'm Adam Marshansky. Um, I'm the William Beaumont Equal Opportunity Advisor. Been in the military almost 22 years. Uh, I was an Equal Opportunity Advisor, Equal Opportunity um, Leader for about 12 years before I became an Equal Opportunity Advisor, and I've been in the seat for about about two years now. Um, and I'm I'm happy uh, to share any knowledge um, with any individuals and also resolve some things as they come up. All right. So again, welcome. Thank you for being a part of this. I chose you because we had a little bit of shared experience uh, in offering some conflict resolution services. But the topic is conflict resolution, conflict management. Uh, I feel like it's a very it's a it's it's a leader competency. I my my assertion is that 
if you want to be good at being a leader or if you just want to improve some of the relationships that you have personally and professionally, you have to develop your skills at conflict resolution. Okay. I, my experience that, that I feel is noteworthy in resolving conflict is for, for a great deal of my career, I tended to avoid conflict and maintain harmony. Um, that was my preferred uh, status quo. Uh, if I didn't have to confront people for some behaviors, I kind of just ignored it. But uh, there was an experience I had back in 2012. I was a staff sergeant at the United States Army Drill Sergeant School. And those of us that have attended there, one of the things we know is, it, is that rank doesn't matter so much as making on-the-spot corrections matters. And what I mean by that is they told us it doesn't matter what your rank is. If somebody tells you that you're wrong, you, you basically you fix the mistake. Uh, obviously, it's implied that you use tact whenever possible, but uh, make corrections as they come up. And one day we were on a, we were on a formation run, and there was a sergeant first class that was ahead of me, and he kept falling back because he was looking down at his feet, and I, he, I'm sure he was struggling, as, as, some, as we sometimes often do during uh, long runs. But I, I whispered under my breath, and I didn't make it a, a point to call him out, but I said, hey, dress to the right you know, to keep the integrity of the formation. And his response was to look over his shoulder and tell me to mind my effing business. Uh, and I think he muttered another curse word, which I, my initial reaction was, okay, that's not an ideal response. And we'll, we'll address it at the appropriate time. And some additional context is we had a really tight, cohesive, small group uh, that I cared, we cared deeply about each other and we had some really good relationships. But uh, at, the, at the conclusion of that formation, I could tell that I had upset him by applying that or asking him to correct himself because he uh, once they gave us a command to fall out, he did an about face uh, and he was wide eyed and you could tell that he was very animated. I saw the whites of his eyes clearly and he his, his body language he was upset. So he starts yelling at me about how I don't make corrections to him and that this and that and the other and how I was being disrespectful. I, you know, and as a staff sergeant, I just immediately went to parade rest. And he was kind of laying into me. And uh, he wasn't really, he really didn't have valid complaints about the correction or the manner in which I applied it. He was just upset that he got corrected by somebody junior then. So uh, I went to a drill sergeant, we went to a drill sergeant leader, and the drill sergeant leader basically told him to uh, pound sand. Sergeant McEvers is right. Uh, you've got no reason to be upset. Uh, fast forward about another 10 minutes, we had some duty gear we had to, uh, to haul in. And ordinarily, in most normal situations, I wouldn't have addressed this individual. I would have just maintained, I would have stayed away from him. Mm -hmm. We would, I would have limited my interactions with him. But like I said, we had a very cohesive small group and I felt like I owed it to the group to prevent this problem or this conflict from uh, growing larger. So I did something I, I normally didn't do. I sought him out and I said, hey, so what's really the issue? Okay. and. We talked it out. We, we solved it rather rather rapidly. He said he felt like I was disrespectful. Uh, I countered that I appreciated him feeling that way and that sometimes being told that you're wrong, no matter how much tact is applied, it may come off that way and I meant no disrespect. And, and we drove on and I felt like since then, that has taught me to be slightly more assertive in resolving conflict and much I'm much less passive. I. I I definitely adopted a more proactive strategy at resolving conflict instead of letting it linger and letting it fester. So, so that's kind of one of my pivotal moments in my career. Uh, and then of course becoming an EOA and 
basically being taught on how to properly resolve conflict and, and handle these issues. And basically it's part of our skill set. Um, and I feel like this episode is important because would you agree with me, uh, Sergeant Arshansky, that I feel like conflict's inevitable. It's going to happen. So it's going to, so it's going to happen, right? So you can avoid it as much as you want to, but um, the problem is going to keep coming up. And, and not only is conflict unavoidable, but conflict is necessary, right? It's, it's necessary mm-hmm. for us to grow as individuals because if you don't have conflict, right, essentially what it is is that everybody is agreeing with you. Everybody's saying yes to you. You're all thinking the same. You're all acting the same. You're all doing the same things. And if you are thinking the same, acting the same, and doing the same things, you're going to continue to do the same things over and over again with no challenges. And how do you grow as individuals or how you learn or how do you become mature individuals? Because um, essentially there's no challenging, yeah. right? Challenging, it, it improves us, not just physically and mentally, um, but overall. Yeah. Okay. So I like the point you're saying, if, if I'm hearing you correctly, conflict, unavoidable, and also has potential to be healthy, healthy for relationships, healthy for organizations, provided that we're handling it what? Appropriately. Yeah, we're handling yes, it appropriately, appropriately. And, and we address it when it when it when it arises. Um, and when do you think conflict is tends to skew more negative? Um, so it skews more negative when people are trying to be the right, right? They're, so they they want to be right. Uh, overall, as human beings, we do not like to be proven wrong. We just don't, right? So whenever whenever we're being challenged, um, or or our nature is being challenged. Um, it causes problems. And whether they're internal or external, we just don't want to be proven wrong sometimes. Yeah, oh yeah, I I feel like that's another area where I don't want to break my arm patting myself on the back, but I feel like I've (laughs) matured as an NCO, as a person, and I am much more comfortable being proven wrong. And I I can recall uh, when I was a younger NCO, I was probably um, not willing to make myself very vulnerable in front of my soldiers, and I would I would change the facts of a situation to fit, you know. I would I would I would do all the all the uh, mental gymnastics required to avoid being proven wrong whenever a conflict arose. Uh, but yeah, I, I think uh, you, you bring up some really good points. When we avoid it, when we treat it as a competition, you know that must must be won. Um, do you feel like there's are there potential uh, in our line of work for other people's conflicts to kind of bleed over and, and affect other people? Yeah, so um, again, conflict is inevitable. Um, we, we have conflict on a daily basis. Whether mm-hmm. we decide to press this news button when we get up in the morning, mm-hmm. that's conflict in and of itself at the most basic mm-hmm. level. But the problem comes where if two individuals do have a conflict and, and they're avoiding it, right, um, and they see each other and there's this animosity that builds up, and you can and people other people can see it then it detracts from the mission at hand so that's what we have to deal with is that people aren't addressing conflict whether they're avoiding it um, or they're not handling it effectively it's going to affect others around you and when it affects others around you it causes more internal conflict whether it's with the group or it's with the individuals yeah it's it, uh, it absolutely it starts the side choosing and uh, and the, you know people start forming uh, basically their own little cliques and groups and I had something similar happen uh, when I was a younger NCO. I was serving as the commander's gunner, and I was a headquarters platoon sergeant, section sergeant. We were at NTC, and I remember there towards the end of our rotation, we had a newer commander, or we actually had an outgoing commander and a newer first sergeant, and they butted heads. And what it came down to 
there towards the end where I was impacted by conflict between senior leaders was I couldn't get accurate guidance from either one of them because they both said, oh, you know, ask him. He's the, he's the one with all the answers. No, I quit. Ask first sergeant. He's the one that thinks he knows it all. Uh, and and that, that led to a period of back and forth where it's like, all right, you two are supposed to be running this organization. You're supposed to be running this company. And now we're caught in the middle of your, of your personality conflict. And that's, I think, I think that happens more frequently than we would like to admit. Yeah. Or hopefully it doesn't. But yeah, absolutely. Interpersonal conflict between other people certainly has the opportunity to harm the entire organization or, or cause a, quite a bit of problem. But before we go too, too much further, let's talk about what is the nature of conflict. And that's, you know, because everybody has their own opinions. Uh, I, I'd use a definition in the dictionary, serious disagreement or argument, typically a protracted one or an incompatibility between two or more opinions, principles, or interests. Do you have any uh, practical definition you would probably use for conflict? Um, so not, not really a practical definition, but it's just really um, deciding deciding something, right? Mm-hmm. So um, deciding whether or not to do something, deciding to agree or disagree with something or someone. Um, so conflict is just really anytime there is a disagreement, um, whether it's with you as a person or with you as a part of a group um, or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And we both had an opportunity to read. There's an author, uh, Christian Montian. He wrote a good uh, book called Conflict and Leadership, How to Harness the Power of Conflict to Create Better Leaders and Build Thriving Teams. Uh, I introduced you to a little bit of that. And it's a, it's a pretty good read and I recommend it to anybody who considers themselves a leader. But he also, he, he came up with a slightly improved definition is that conflict exists anytime there's a disagreement over something important to all sides. Uh, And probably one of the biggest upfront challenges when resolving conflict or dealing with conflict is we don't experience conflict rationally. (laughs) No, no, we don't. How do you you feel like we experience conflict a lot of times? So so a lot of times conflict, we just, we don't handle it very well initially. Sometimes when we um, initially approach conflict, uh, we're being very defensive, mm-hmm. and, and we end up regretting a lot of things that we say or do initially in response to that conflict. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, Christian Montian, Mr. Montian, one of the things he, he states in the book is he's like, one of the problems with conflicts is that it's often experienced emotionally, you know, and, and not rationally. At least, especially when there's initial confrontations or blowups or, or arguments, and and sometimes we tend to experience emotions like anger, you know, fear, anxiety, things like that. Are are you like me, Sergeant Arshansky, where maybe you have a little confrontation with somebody or a little uh, a little row, and then you know, ten minutes later, you start thinking of all the things you should have said or things that would have been productive. Oh yeah, I, I definitely do that a lot. Um... There are sometimes I have conflict with individuals and I do have to go back to my office um, and, and, and ponder for a couple of seconds. Did I say the right thing or, or why were my actions in accordance with what they should have been as a leader? Yeah, yeah, I, I do that. I do that so often. I'm that person that 10 minutes later, I'm like, oh, this is what I should have said. And that's usually an example of me experiencing emotions as opposed to thinking rationally. Because a lot of times when we start to feel anger or fear or anxiety, what we're actually triggering is our, our amygdala is taking over, you know, that uh, what controls our fight or flight response. And it shuts down the frontal lobe so our higher order thinking kind of gets shut off in the moment. 
when we start to get those feelings, and sometimes we may respond defensively because we're trying to protect ourselves, or we may we may go on the offense and say something in anger or in spite. But then afterwards, we cool down. You know, we we return to our uh, stasis, our state of normal being, and we think we're like, oh, this would have been a, a more appropriate response. So it's natural to experience conflict emotionally. Yeah. It's, it doesn't necessarily, it's not an indictment on anybody in, in that. Uh, but like you said, sometimes you got to go back to the office and, <laughs> and think things over. Yes. Um, and I, I like this model and I want to talk to you a little bit about it because we had the discussion, you know, what, what causes conflicts? We know what conflict is. We know we can experience it emotionally. We know we don't always think rationally when we're initially dealing with conflict. But uh, Christian Montine, he also gave us a good model. He basically said, conflict arises when one of the three S's is threatened. One of our three S's. And those S's he's talking about is significance, you know, security, or satisfaction. Uh, would you agree with that? Or you got anything you want to add to that? Um, so, so the three S's are, are a perfect way to look at it. Um, so, I mean, the other basic reasons, right? So, um, to 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 bring things up to the surface, right? Mm -hmm. Conflict is a very important way uh, for authentic communication to occur, right? Um, but if our needs aren't being met, um, that causes conflict within us as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think both of those stories that that I relayed earlier, you know, the one where I was at drill sergeant school and uh, between the two leaders where I was kind of caught in the middle. I think everybody in that where they where they felt like that they were a party to the conflict. I feel like their significance was threatened. They were feeling my actions or my behaviors or the behaviors that they were being subjected to made them feel less significant than what they thought they were. Therefore, that was kind of the start point for that conflict. And you know, I, I think um, I think it's useful that when we when we take an analytical view at the conflicts that we're involved with, we probably need to pinpoint why 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 is this conflict happening? What is being threatened? Um, or what desire is not being met or needs being met. I think uh, a, a good security one would be road rage. I think we see incidents yeah. of road rage because, <laughs> hey, if, if, if Sergeant McEvers cuts Sergeant Arshansky off and you pull up and start cursing me out and, and you know giving me the finger, there's probably a chance that I threaten your security. Maybe I get a little bit too close. Maybe I felt, you know, maybe you had family, children in the car, and you're upset. Yeah, and we, and we, and we could look at culturally, right? Yeah. And culturally, um, we do like that little bit of bubble uh -huh. as a safe distance. And if you're invaded by bubble, whether yeah. it's with your vehicle or with your person, I may have a problem with that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I, I really think that is a very simple heuristic, uh, th that 3S model, significant security and satisfaction. So now, before we really get into some strategies or some some uh, ways that we resolve conflict. I, I kind of want to talk about the pitfalls because I know I've done it. I've been brought in for a conflict resolution session that wasn't as productive as I'd hoped. I think you've been there in <laughs> yes. the same way. We, as as equal opportunity practitioners, we we feel supremely confident in our abilities, and then once we actually get the other people in the room. Uh, things don't always work out, but uh, what what are some what are the some of the common failings you see or you have seen when we're trying to resolve conflict? Um, so one of the things is everybody. So if we're there to resolve conflict, you have to bring issues forward that mm -hmm. people may not know. 
you may have a problem with someone and it stemmed from something that happened two years ago, right? Mm -hmm. And but that if they don't know where if we don't know where the conflict originated from, how can we move forward to address all the concerns that the individuals have? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I think uh, also going back to what you had said earlier, you know, people come into conflicts and they view it as a contest that, that they have to prevail. Okay. And, and sometimes at the expense of relationships, like it's more important that I win than, mm -hmm. than we kind of uh, resolve this amicably or successfully. I would say I've had problems with personality type and even the author uh, I was so relieved to see Mr. Montian write this in his book he said sometimes personality really may prohibit successful conflict resolution uh, I know I got called into uh, or I got asked to do a resolution session with a couple of senior leaders and I expressed concern with one of the individuals prior to because I felt like the other party to the conflict ticked a lot of boxes for narcissistic personality <laughs> disorder. Uh, I broke out my DSM-5 and it was checkbox, checkbox, checkbox. And I felt like this individual, once uh, they were brought into the resol once they were brought into the session, they were gonna feel attacked and they were gonna in turn counterattack and that was absolutely what happened and no one was spared to include the EOA myself um, uh, I got a few sable rounds thrown my way and then it started to get me emotional and I started to become a party to the conflict because I was being critiqued um, so I, I definitely think personality type plays a role people that are necessarily uh, high on or low on agreeableness um, or maybe they, they have some personality traits there, I, I'm not a behavioral health practitioner, so I can't really check them all off, but I, I think I don't need to elaborate too much. Yeah, there's just some people, it's, it's, it's gonna be hard to get them to come to the table and have a good faith conversation, you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Um, we got into one, I know you and I did one, we yes. had a little bit of circular reasoning, right? Yes. <laughs> so what, remind me what was happening there, or share with our listeners. So um, there again, so senior leaders, right? Everyone has conflict. It's not just with junior uh, uh, personnel within our military. It's also with senior personnel. Um, and and sometimes, right? Um, the the higher we go, right? Sometimes the more conflict that we have, or or the more acceptance of 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 us maybe being on the wrong side of things, right? Um, so essentially. What, what we try to avoid is we try to avoid defensiveness, mm -hmm. uh, which is a is a big uh, a big factor when dealing with conflict uh, that we just can't maintain control of. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so and I know one one thing when you, when you mention defensiveness, and I've seen this in speaking with individuals throughout the course of, of my time as an EOA, uh, you know, people will say, "Well, your behavior made me feel this way," and their response is basically in a nutshell no it didn't <laughs> which i always find curious because uh and i there was a comedian that said this one time if you hit somebody and somebody says hey you hurt me you don't have the you don't have the ability to say no i didn't you know and and that's that's kind of what it is basically you don't get don't invalidate that other person's experience try and understand it as opposed to invalidate it or defend or excuse your own behaviors. 
And yeah, we're talking about circular reasoning. Sometimes I've I've done some sessions where I felt like we were making progress and we we're agreeing on key points, and people wanted to return to the start point and relitigate things we'd already agreed with. Well, so if I may, we also talk about the ego defense mechanism, right? Yeah. So we talk about denial, right? Yeah. Um, we talk about rationalization, mm-hmm. um, and we talk about projection, right? Yeah. So denial, oh, it never happened. Um, you, you shouldn't feel that way because that yeah. wasn't my intent. Yeah. Right and and projection. Well, if I was you, I wouldn't feel that way. And then and then you finally get to the you know with the rationalization. Well, you know you shouldn't have felt that way because I, I didn't mean it that way. Yeah. Oh, right? absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Hundred um, percent. Okay. So now, if you would, as as for for purposes of time, I really feel like we can talk quite a bit on on some of these things, especially where the pitfalls are and and where we need to get better. But let's talk about let's talk about the strategy that most of us adopt the, the most frequently chosen strategy for dealing with conflict resolution um so some of us right some of us do choose avoidance yeah um and that is typically for some people the way to go right yeah. because if you avoid it um it essentially the belief is that oh it'll just go away yeah or maybe by avoiding it things will get better but do things get better by avoiding them and and I, yeah, so avoidance, and I, I hear this a lot, and I see this, you know, when I talk to individuals, because we do have, you know, in, in the civilian world, maybe not so much, but in the Army, we kind of had like a two-year shelf life in a certain unit or a certain team. Like, we're really only together for two years or less before there's, there's turnover or turbulence. And so what I hear frequently is when people bring me issues... They just say, you know what, I, I just, I don't want to do anything about it because this person's leaving in a couple months, I'm leaving in a couple months. And, and does anybody win in that situation? Like they may avoid some potentially uh, difficult conversations, but are they really gaining anything by it? So, so they're not gaining anything by it. In, in fact, what they're probably doing is they're probably losing something because maybe it was a personal trait that is within that individual that needs to be addressed, right? Yeah. Um, and, and a personal trait that could be viewed as being negative. Um, and, and without it being brought to their attention um, and through, through conflict and, and management, they, they then go on somewhere else and then do the same thing, not realizing that, hey, um, this may be a trait that is within me that um, I need to either minimize or, or get rid of. Okay, yeah. I, I think you're spot on and I, and I 100% agree that by avoiding it, you're, you're, you're squandering your opportunity to make yourself better or potentially maybe just by confronting or at least even if you don't resolve the conflict successfully but at least by staying your peace tactfully mm-hmm. you know professionally <laughs> as respectfully as possible yes. at least letting your objection be known or or presenting your side of the case <clears throat> it may have a benefit of you feel better about yourself and you start to mature maybe the the other party to the conflict maybe they just totally shut you down it doesn't get resolved successfully everybody drives on but at least you're going to, I think you will be better equipped the next time it comes around. So a- absolutely, you make some really great points. But uh, what, is, what is the ideal conflict resolution strategy? So, so the ideal one is the collaboration, right? So collaboration is one where bo- both sides win. So you're not, you're not avoiding it. You're not accommodating it. There's no competition going on. You, it's mutually agreed upon goals where everyone is essentially a winner. Everyone comes out with their needs being met, um, with, with the security being intact, um, with, with everything that they went in expecting and coming out even better for it. 
Okay. Yeah, so a collaborative solution is the most desired outcome. And it makes a lot of sense. And on in some cases there may be there may there may be some some give mm-hmm. in terms of both parties. Like some some people may be really advocating for look, I need you to accept responsibility. I need you to admit blame. I need you to say that what you did was wrong. And maybe we don't push for that if we get a change in behavior. If we get that promise of look, I'm not I'm just going to say I'm going to do better. I'm going to try harder. I'm going to try to prevent this from from occurring. Um, so yeah, absolutely. And and I think as people that help oversee the process on occasion, and people that you know, we sometimes get into conflicts. I looked at that that literature by Mr. Montian, and he he brought up a, a, an outstanding, powerful question that I think everybody should use when they find themselves in a conflict that they're trying to resolve. And when we get into that back and forth, one of the questions that he advocates using is basically ask the other party to the conflict, if we do things my way, or if we we adopt a, an outcome or a strategy that, that I choose, what are you afraid of losing? Or what are your what you what are you afraid of not gaining? Basically, what are you what are you what are you afraid of? Um, and I think by both parties asking each other that, I think you gain a lot of insight. And Mr. Montian, he basically stated that once he adopted that strategy, um, he really started to see more success, more successful outcomes in his conflict resolution sessions. Um, do you have any closing thoughts on conflict and how we? Uh, how to how we best deal with it, Sergeant Arshansky? So I would say, um, just so uh, to to re- restate what we talked about earlier, conflict is inevitable. Um, you can avoid it, you can or you can try to avoid it, right? But eventually, it's going to lead to more conflict. Um, so addressing it early is important. And, and why is addressing it early important? Because all relevant information is important. You don't want to wait a month or two down the line because then you forget where you were even upset about sometimes. Um, but but the true finding out the true reason why why the conflict is occurring is important. It opens up dialogue. Um, it helps you grow professionally and personally. Um, there's just a lot. There's a there are a lot of benefits to making sure that um, you're when you're using conflict management and resolution that you also go in with an open mind, right? Because you cannot go in thinking that th- this is what I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. These are this is how things are going to go. Um, and with the expert, so going there, expecting that the conflict will be resolved, mm-hmm. but it may not be. You may not. You may go in there with a list of ten things, and if, if five of those things get met, it's okay, right? Because you are trying to resolve the conflict and 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 build that connection and that relationship that you had with the individual or the group. Yeah. Okay. So, I would close with conflict is an opportunity. We need to start viewing it as such and stop avoiding it. However, be open-minded as Sergeant Arshansky uh, so mentioned, because what I would add to that is, accept the other person's experience is valid. I think we, we err a lot of times when we resolve conflict because we're trying to invalidate the other person's perception, perspective, and experience and validate our own. So you may not agree with it, but accept that other person's experience as valid, um, their feelings are valid, and, and try to drive towards that collaborated outcome. Uh, and if you're a leader, 
get good at managing and resolving conflicts. The teams you the teams you lead will be more effective and more cohesive. With that, we're going to wrap this episode up and bring it to a close. I want to thank Sergeant Arshansky again for giving us his time. Thank you for having me. All right, and we will catch you all next time. Take care. All right, and that is going to bring this episode to a close. I want to give a big thanks and a shout out to Sergeant Arshansky for being a part of the conversation and trying to make us all a little bit better, okay? Better as individuals, better as soldiers, better as teammates. And hopefully uh, we all learned a little bit of something that we can take to make our relationships, both personal and professional, a little bit better. I also want to thank my listeners for sticking with it. Uh, I know it's been a little bit since we had an episode, but I anticipate we will resume normal production schedule. And as always, uh, please leave me some feedback, leave a comment on the page, leave a comment uh, where you downloaded this episode from. I will most likely attend to it. I will most certainly attend to it. And uh, if there's a if there's a topic that you're interested in and you would like us to consider it for a future episode, something that's near and dear to your heart or just something you're, you're curious about learning more of or learning more about, send us a message and I will most definitely get right on it. With that, thank you all. Take care of yourself, take care of each other and stay safe. Thank you.